Well, the reading is from Mark chapter 15, starting at verse 33. At the sixth hour, darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. One man ran, filled a sponge with white vinegar, put it on a stick and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus heard his cry and saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. Father, we thank you for these words and we echo Martin's prayer that uh, you will touch our hearts and help us to be doers of the word. Thanks, Alison. So we're in a, a series um, which is based on uh, Pete Gregg's book, God on Mute, and we're looking um, at unanswered prayer. And um, we're using the Easter story as a backdrop for looking at unanswered prayer. So Tony looked at uh, the Garden of Gethsemane scene on uh, Maundy Thursday last Sunday as a backdrop for that sermon. And today we're going to be looking at uh, Good Friday. Uh, the death of Jesus on the cross as a backdrop for unanswered prayer. Um, and we're going to be particularly looking at the prayer of Jesus or the cry of Jesus in the darkness. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Um, as he hung there in excruciating, unimaginable agony for three hours in the darkness, Jesus cried out, but there was no answer from heaven. To that prayer. No reassuring voice. You remember at Jesus' baptism, as Jesus was baptized and came up out of the water, there was a voice from heaven which said, this is my dearly beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. Beautiful words. And yet as Jesus hung there on the cross in the darkness, there was no voice from heaven this time, only silence. The only voice was a voice at the foot of the cross who thought in the words Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, that Jesus was calling for Elijah. And of course he wasn't. There was no answer this time from the Father in heaven. And the whole key to understanding this passage is that Jesus had to be forsaken so that you and I may enjoy the promise from Jesus, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Jesus was forsaken so that we will never be forsaken. From time to time, all of us will find ourselves praying or crying out in the darkness. For some, it will be the memory of a hospital bed on a lonely ward in the dead of night. 
For some of you, it might be the pain and grief of losing a loved one. For some of us, it's the agony and long-term pain of unanswered prayer for healing. For some, it's a condition, whether mental health or physical health, that doesn't seem to shift or improve over time. All of us, from time to time, will find ourselves crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I want to explore Jesus' prayer of forsakenness and how this is a comfort to us and an encouragement to us when we face the darkness of grief, of suffering, of pain. Um, you only have to be alive on this planet long enough to realize that you won't escape some form of suffering and darkness in your life. Notice that Mark begins the scene of Jesus' death by describing the utter darkness that covered the cross. At the sixth hour, darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. So from 12 o'clock, uh, old Jewish time, until 3 o'clock, old Jewish time in the afternoon, the whole scene was covered in darkness. This was no lunar or solar eclipse. This was a supernatural work of God in bringing darkness over the land. God is described as light in the Bible. The Bible uses darkness as a metaphor for sin and evil. And God is described as light. Jesus is described as the light of the world. And light is, is, a, is an image that describes God's perfection, God's sinlessness, God's holiness, his purity, his majesty, his glory, and his life. Um, I'm a spring and summer lover because I like the light. Maybe it doesn't bother you, but I find myself in a better mood when the days are longer and the sun comes out. Anybody else? So maybe I suffer with that seasonal affective disorder, quite possibly. That's because light is good for us, good for living things, isn't it? I'm sure you've all done the Cress experiments in the biology cupboard in year seven of school, where you put the Cress in the dark, and then you put the Cress in the light, and you find um, after a week or so that the Cress in the cupboard is looking very yellow and bedraggled, even though it's sprouted, it lacks the grit, the greenness, and the life that the one in the light. Life is good, sorry, light is good for life, isn't it? It makes you feel better. Um, we get vitamins from light, don't we? Things thrive in the light. And that's true of God. We, we are made to thrive in the light of God's presence. We weren't made to be separate from God. We weren't meant to be shut in a cupboard like Cress, away from God's light and presence. You see, if we grow up without God and his light, we grow up a bit like that yellowy Cress. We, we will, you know, we'll, we'll survive and live to, a, to a, a level, but we'll be wilted, we'll be shriveled. We won't be as filled with life as we should be without God's presence. And darkness is a sign of judgment, God's holy judgment on sin. 
God in his perfection cannot be in the presence of sin. And God judges sin. Um, and a sign of God's judgment is darkness. Um, you remember in the uh, book of Exodus, um, the ten plagues that God inflicted on Egypt and on Pharaoh. God invited um, Pharaoh and the Egyptians to turn away from oppressing his people in slavery over and over again. And God did that by saying, well, okay, I'll send, I'll send a plague to try and get you to listen to me and to turn away from your oppression and evil. And he was patient in the sense that he sent 10 plagues to try and convince Pharaoh and the Egyptians to let his people go. He could have just done it through one affliction, couldn't he? But he gave them, in his mercy and in patience, he gave them time to turn away from oppressing his people. But they didn't listen. And the ninth plague in, in Exodus was a plague of total darkness for three days came over the land. And Pharaoh still didn't budge, still didn't listen, refused to let God's people go. And so the final plague, the tenth plague, was the angel of death. And uh, those houses that had not painted daubed their door frames with the blood of a lamb. Um, the firstborn in those homes were killed. And it was only then that Pharaoh agreed to let God's people go from slavery. But the death of the firstborn had to happen. God's holy wrath was poured out on Egypt and Pharaoh because of their refusal to turn from sin and oppression. And Egypt is symptomatic of the rebellion of all people throughout history, isn't it? The results of sin today are everywhere. Um, sadly, slavery has not come to an end in our world. Um, the sex trade is alive and kicking in our nation and throughout the world. Slavery, tyranny, oppression are, if anything, even worse now than they've ever been. We could add to slavery and oppression in the ancient Egypt environmental destruction today, couldn't we? We could add greed, injustice, sexual exploitation, violence, self-centeredness, unjust war, war crimes. The list goes on and on and on. Our world is not getting a better place, is it? Unless I'm missing something. It's getting worse. Why? Because all human beings, ever from Adam and Eve through the Egyptians, right into the contemporary time, have turned away and rebelled against their creator. We were created to live in the light. We, we were created to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind and strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves. The fact that we don't means that all of the collective small acts of rebellion and larger acts of rebellion collected together create a real darkness that covers our world. The small and the large and the medium acts of rebellion against God create a world that is in darkness because we do not love and serve and worship the creator as we were created to do. But here's the good news of Good Friday. Jesus hung there in the darkness for us, for this world. For this world that has turned its back on God. 
for this world that is full of slavery, tyranny, oppression, greed, environmental destruction, exploitation. Jesus hung there in the darkness, bearing all the weight of all the evil and sin and injustice and oppression in the world. And he hung there for our individual acts of rebellion against God, where we don't love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind and strength. Jesus bore the collective sin of the world and he bore our individual rebellion and sin and self-centeredness too. The prophet Isaiah speaking 700 years before Christ hung on the cross prophesied how Jesus would be punished for our sin. He said this, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Why was there darkness over the cross, over that scene? There was darkness because the same wrath of God that was poured out on Egypt and the Pharaoh was now poured out on God's son. Why did God's wrath and judgment come upon his own son because his own son carried and bore the weight of the sin of the world, including my sin and your sin. And that's why he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God, who is perfect in light and holiness and purity, cannot look on the son at this moment, cannot be in the presence of the son at this moment because the son is carrying the weight of our sin, the darkness, the evil, the injustice, the oppression of the world has been laid on him. Some liberal commentators conclude that Jesus was not actually forsaken by God. That was just how it felt for him at that moment in the darkness. But this will not do, <laughs> simply will not do. The darkness of the scene tells us that Jesus was suffering God's wrath, God's judgment for our sin, not his own. He who had no sin, says Paul, became sin. He really carried our sin. He really became sin. He became a God's curse on our sin. If you don't believe that the Bible makes it clear that Jesus was suffering God's judgment, you don't have to look far in the New Testament. Look at Romans 5, 9, for example. I could have picked out 10 texts. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? It's pretty plain, isn't it? Sorry, liberal commentators, you're wrong again. He really did carry our sin. He really was forsaken by God. He really was separated from God because he bore God's righteous judgment, God's wrath on my sin and your sin. That's why it was dark. God's holy judgment fell on the sun. He was really cut off from the sun. I can't imagine what this would have meant for Jesus, who from eternity had been in the presence of the Father and the Spirit. At this moment, as he hung in the pitch black on the cross, he didn't just feel he was forsaken by his Father, who had been in relationship with for eternity. 
How can we understand the depths of this text? How can we understand not just the physical pain, but the spiritual and emotional pain of the forsakenness of the Son of God in this moment? I like uh, what Derek Tidball in his book, The Message of the Cross, says. He says, I quote, A God who remained majestically insulated in his heaven, impervious to our suffering, would not be a worthy or credible God in our suffering world. People say, don't they? How can God, if he's good and loving, allow the world to suffer as it does? Well, there is no simple, glib answer to that question, this side of eternity. I'm often left in silence by that. But I do know we have a God who entered into the suffering of the world and who didn't stand apart from it. A God who doesn't just sympathize with our suffering and weakness and darkness and pain, but a God who died a death that we deserve. A God who observed, absorbed the curse that we deserve. A God who hung there, even though he was perfect and sinless, he bore God's wrath because he took my sin upon himself. That's who I understand God is. One day, I guess we'll see in full. Today, we only see in part. I don't want to be glib about human suffering and the pain that people experience, which is real and in many cases unexplainable. But I do know that we have a God who participates in, enters into, and transforms the evil and suffering of our experience. The writer of Hebrews says this about Christ. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. And it's because Christ sympathizes with us and yet was not a sinner that he can bring us to God and heal us and forgive us. The writer of Hebrews goes on. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I love that. The temple curtain was torn from top to bottom. And God at that moment, as Jesus died and the temple curtain was torn from top to bottom, said, you may now, believers, approach my throne with confidence and boldness. You can come into the Holy of Holies. You can come into my presence because of what Christ has done in bearing your sin. But that's an offer that only God can make to those who've come to Jesus and received his forgiveness at the cross. And I want to, I want to ask you today, have you received the forgiveness of Jesus? Have you come to the foot of the cross and said to Jesus, thank you, for paying for the darkness of my sin. Thank you for paying the penalty of death which I deserved for me in my place. Thank you that you have brought me back to God. Thank you that I can enjoy and experience the light of God's presence rather than the darkness and pain and suffering of this world. If you will come to Christ today and receive him into your heart, he will give you forgiveness, healing, light, joy and the assurance of eternal life. 
So why don't you pray with somebody? Why don't you find a Christian and pray with them and ask them to lead you in a prayer where you invite Christ to be Lord and King, where you repent and turn away from living for yourself and you commit to following and serving and loving Jesus. But we can approach God in prayer confidently and boldly because Christ bids us to come into God's presence. He's opened up a new and living way for each one of us. There's no curtain, there's no barrier to God's presence anymore for Christians. Isn't that wonderful? He says, come, pray with boldness, pray with confidence. Jesus' prayer, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, was not answered. And that's good news. Do you know why it's good news? It's good news because at the cross, Jesus paid the penalty for our sin. At the cross, Jesus secured forgiveness for us. At the cross, Jesus carried the weight of my sin and your sin. He paid the penalty for our sin. The fact that Jesus' prayer was never answered means that you and I are forgiven sinners. We will never be forsaken and we can enter into God's family as forgiven sinners. Thank God that he never answered that prayer. You know, there's one prayer that God did answer, one prophecy that he did fulfill from, from the Old Testament in Daniel 12 and in other places, Psalm 16. Those scriptures prophesied that Jesus would not be left in the grave, but he would be raised to life. God did not forsake his son in the grave. Hallelujah. He forsook him on the cross so that our sins could be dealt with, but you know, he never forsook him in the grave. Jesus rose from the grave on that first Easter morning. The light of God's presence broke into the darkness and transformed it. And death was overcome. Sin was paid for fully. Evil was overcome. We share now in that victory because we are united, joined to Christ, and we are seated with him in the heavenly realms as Christians. And one day the light of Christ will come down to earth in a new heaven and a new earth. And we will dwell in his eternal presence. There will be no more need for sun or moon because Christ himself will be our light. And all the suffering and oppression and pain and darkness of the world will be banished from that new heaven and new earth. The light of Christ has shone in the darkness on that first Easter morning and it will never be extinguished. I want to ask you today, do you know the light of Christ in your own life? Have you invited that light to come into your life to transform the darkness? Or are you still groping around in the darkness of this world, looking for meaning, looking for purpose, looking for fulfillment? Jesus is your joy. Jesus came that you might have life and have it to the full. So take it. Receive that gift. And maybe you've come today... And you're experiencing some darkness, whether that be uh, anxiety or depression, whether that be grief, whether that be difficult circumstances, relationship breakdown. I'd invite you to pray, pray with someone today at the end of the service. Cut, ask someone to come alongside you and to pray for you, that you would know God's comfort, God's healing, God's mercy and God's grace.
The wonderful good news of the gospel is this. We have not been left as orphans on this earth. God has poured out his Holy Spirit into our hearts so that we might know God's comfort and love, mercy, grace, healing and help. Whatever dark times we go through, whatever cries we may utter in prayer, the Holy Spirit is the comforter, counsellor who comes alongside us to strengthen us and to comfort us and to pour God's love into our hearts. Jesus was forsaken so that you and I will never be forsaken. Jesus poured out his Holy Spirit from heaven and that Holy Spirit for Christians is available every moment of the day. So bring him, bring him your darkness, bring him your pain, bring him your sadness, bring him your restlessness, your irritation, and the Holy Spirit will come and comfort and heal you. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you hung there in the darkness. Thank you that you were forsaken for my sin so that I will never, ever be forsaken. But Jesus, thank you that you don't just sympathize with us, you transform the darkness. And I pray, Lord, for all of us now that you'd send us uh, the Spirit, fill us afresh, Holy Spirit, with God's love, God's comfort, God's light, God's presence. And I pray, Lord, for those today who are experiencing the darkness of depression or anxiety, for those experiencing the darkness of grief or of difficult circumstances or of relationship breakdown. Holy Spirit, I ask that they would reach out for prayer. And I pray, Holy Spirit, you'd pour more of God's love and comfort into their hearts. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. As is uh, our custom on Mothering Sunday, the, the children will be coming down with, with a little gift for the ladies. Um, Tony's just running upstairs to get them. Um, I, I just love this, this song that we're going to close with. It contains so many wonderful truths about who Jesus is. He's our high priest. Um, he is love. He's our perfect saviour, um, the perfect sacrifice. He's the risen lamb. And because of him, we can become, come before this throne of grace. We will never have to leave that place and uh, we will never die. So it's before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea. So let's uh, close by singing this.
Lord Jesus, thank you seems so inadequate. Thank you that you are our perfect, spotless righteousness. You are the risen lamb. And thank you that because what you have done for us, we will never die. We will be with you for eternity. Paul included so many wonderful prayers in his letters, and I'd just like to close with this one from Ephesians. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Amen.